بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ tonight is the 13th of july in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 80th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion sayyidina abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu and i'm mentioning his blessed name now during the blessed khilafat of sayyidina umar radiyallahu And the last thing I mentioned was the reports in which Amir al-Mu'mineen inadvertently was finding faults with those within the privacy of their own dwellings. So to clarify upon this, there's another similar report. In Sa'id ibn Mansur, Ibn al-Mundir, Qanzul Umal, volume 2, page 167, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 518 of the New English Translation, Sha'abi, rahmatullahi, he said, When Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu did not see one of his friends for some time, he told Abdul Rahman ibn Awf radiyallahu to accompany him to the man's house to see what had become of him. So Umar this time is with Sayyid al-Muslimin Abdul Rahman ibn Awf to find out about a man that they hadn't seen for a while. When they approached the dwelling, they found the door ajar, I opened slightly. The man was sitting there and his wife was busy pouring something in his cup and giving it to him. Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu thereupon said to Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Awf radiyallahu So this is what has been keeping him away from us. So what's happened? They've looked the door slightly ajar and Umar radiyallahu was thinking that he's maybe taking some intoxicants. Because this is what's keeping him away from us. Abdul Rahman ibn Awf thereupon asked, How do you know what was in the cup? Amir al-Mu'mini. <clears throat> Sayyidina Umar thereupon reflected and said, I fear that this may be spying. Abdul Rahman ibn Awf replied, It certainly is. Sayyidina Umar thereupon asked, What is thus now? It's repentance. Abdul Rahman ibn Awf said, Firstly, do not inform him of what has been learned about his affairs. And secondly, only maintain good thoughts about him. The two venerable men then left. So look how beautiful. Sometimes he was with Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. Sometimes he was with Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Sometimes he is with his servant, uh, Zayd ibn Aslam. So this maybe was delivered on the part of Umar, i.e. to pass the message on through practice. This time, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf said, this is spying. So Umar radiyallahu said, what's the repentance? So this is how you repent from that crime. First, you never inform the one about what you have seen. If you do, That's not repentance. So for instance, <coughs> you see a brother coming out of a pub. So straight away, shaitan puts doubts into your head. So you never mention that to him. That's the first part of repentance. You don't say, oh, what were you doing that other day? I saw you come out of a pub. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. 
And secondly, you then maintain only good thoughts about him. So you said, no, there was a reason he came out. Maybe he was, you know, working and he was asking for the customer to come out. Whatever the case, or maybe he was doing some work within the pub because he's an electrician, for example. By doing those two things, that's repentance. So note the beauty. Allah Ta'ala is teaching you how to undo these crimes. Sayyidina Umar would later warn one and all, whoever looks into the inside of somebody else's dwelling before receiving permission, he is a fasik. He is a degenerate. This is in Bukhari's Al-Adabal Mufrad with the Sahih Jannah transmission. So think about that. Fasik is a very strong term. It means a person, like we said, low life. You're a low life. Allah uses that word derogatory in the, many times in the Quran. What makes you a Fasik? Simply looking inside somebody's dwelling before receiving permission. And this is about happy people. Sometimes they're knocking and they're looking through the window at the same time. What's, what's the point of knocking? In fact, one report, I think it was one of the companions, he goes, oh, you can let your body in now. Your eyes have already entered. In other words, what was the point of knocking? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, naturally also had a great love and respect for the Amir al-Mu'mineen. Consider his precious state. I consider one hour's company with Umar more valuable than even a whole year of worship. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Abdul Barr in his Al-Istiyab. So think about that. Ibn Mas'ud, in terms of knowledge, he was on the pedestal. But he still said very humbly, if I spend one hour with Amir al-Mu'mineen, this is more valuable to me than one year of worship. So let me ask you a question. How much worship can you do in a year? Imagine you got the month of Ramadan, you've got the 10 blessed days of Zulhijjah, you've got the other holy days and nights where people worship, let alone the other acts of worship. Combine all that year's worship. Ibn Masood said, one hour with Umar is more valuable. Now I was touching about that. A few nights prior, I mentioned that Abu Musa, said that about Ibn Masood. So notice how humble they were. They didn't consider themselves anything special. But they realized that this was a tremendous honor to be in the company of these souls. This should not come as any surprise. Why? Because no other than our beloved messenger said, one day with an upright Imam is preferable to 60 years of a man's worshipping alone. SubhanAllah. One day with an upright Imam is preferable to 60 years of a man worshipping alone. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir 11-337, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra 8-162. Now think about that. Now you're talking a lifetime. How much worship can you do in 60 years? One day with an upright Imam, a righteous ruler, a person of authority is more beloved, Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, than a lifetime of worship. Indeed, keeping the company of the pious is priceless. Sufyan ibn Uyayna said, Rahmatullah Divine mercy descends at the time of merely mentioning the pious. 
divine mercy descends at the time of merely mentioning the pious. This is in Ahmad in his Zuhd, Tabarani in his Ausat, number 10,750 or 7-355, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya, 7-285, Hafiz al-Ajluni, Rahmatullah, in his Kashif al-Khifa, number 1,772 or 2-91. So think about that. You're not in their presence now. You're just talking about them. They are that beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that even if you just mention them, divine mercy descends. Now think about that. How beloved must you be that just to mention that person, Allah was even that I'm gonna bless. Such is its impact that Muhammad ibn Yunus said, I never saw a more beneficial act for the heart than to mention the righteous. I never saw a more beneficial act for the heart than to mention the righteous. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn al Jawzi in his Shifat al Safwa, 1 17 to 20. So now, how many things impact the heart? Any good deed. We know that. But this righteous man said that this is the pinnacle. The most beneficial thing for the heart is to mention the righteous. So now, how many times to reiterate this? Thus, if this is the profound impact upon one's heart by merely the mentioning of the pious, then what then the impact of those who keep their priceless company? So we haven't got that ability now. We can't be with these great souls. So what's the next best? Mention them. <laughs> When you mention them, Allah's mercy descends. Now that mercy is not a normal mercy. Why? Because it's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> you understand? It's because of the righteous that the mercy is descending. So that mercy has to have some special quality. And what's the quality? What did the righteous Muhammad ibn Yunus say? I never saw a more beneficial eye for the heart than to mention the righteous. This is why the Prophet people ask such silly questions. You say to them, you should regularly read about his blessed life. And then a person goes, oh, I've read his life. And then you say, the most God-fearing of the righteous, you don't want to mention him. When you put it like that, the guy, the penny should drop. He goes, oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. But what did you mean then? If Allah's mercy descends when you mention the righteous, what atomic mass number of mercies descending when you mention Rasulullah? What amazing amount of divine mercy is descending if you mention his companions? So note, this is what Ibn Masood meant. He goes, one hour with Umr is more beloved to me, more preferable to me than one year of worship. And don't forget, it's his worship, not ours. One day with a righteous Imam. The Prophet said it's preferable to 60 years. And now there's another point here. Does that blessing still apply when you visit their graves? Think about that. Somebody goes, hang on. We can visit their graves. There's no harm. In fact, it's a righteous deed to do. Of course it is. Does this divine mercy descend? If you spend some time there, what do you think, brother? You think Allah is going to put a stop on it? No, here lies the beloved one. But now because he's passed away, forget it. No blessings. Use your uncle. Now what does shaitan do? 
He starts stirring. Why? Because he doesn't want people to receive those blessings. So Muslims prevent you now. Imagine. We remember the... Come to pay my respects to so-and-so. Oh, no, move on, move on. And then you think... That's like saying... Blessings are descending. You're kicking me away from it. Astaghfirullah. So think about that. So when you go to the righteous, you should spend time there. You know, if you go to the prophets, you go to the companions of the prophets, you go to the righteous. You don't just give salam and then you walk off. You spend time there. You're thinking at least an hour. Right? So I get some of these divine blessings. In another amazing report, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had gone on to say, now think about this. If Umar radiallahu's knowledge was placed in one of the scales of the balance and the knowledge of everyone on earth on the other side of the balance, Umar radiallahu's sight would still be uh, outweigh theirs. Amash, <laughs> he continued, I found this difficult to accept. Thus I mentioned it to Ibrahim and he said, Why do you find this hard to accept? When I can swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had said something even more amazing than this. He had said, In my estimation, nine tenths of knowledge left the world with the passing away of Umar. So let's look at this very interesting report. So where is it recorded? In Tabarani in his Kabir, number 8809 or 9-179 to 180, Hakim in his Mustadrak, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 4, page 153, Al-Haythami in Majma al-Zawail, volume 9, page 69, he commented upon the chain of narrators, Hafiz Abu Khaytama in his Kitab al-Ilm, number 60 and 61, with the Sahih chain of transmission, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 8123 of the New English Translation. So now you can only appreciate this hadith if you know who Ibn Masood is. There's the problem again. So if somebody just walks through the door now, doesn't know anything about Ibn Masood, and you, you hear him say, if Umar's knowledge is greater than all the knowledge of everybody else's, what's the first thing goes to your head? Well, who's that? Who said that? That doesn't make any sense. Now you've got some understanding who Ibn Masood is. You're thinking, what did he say? He said, if his knowledge by itself was placed on one side of the everybody else's knowledge on the entire earth, on the other, his is heavier. Mm-hmm. So now this is what's comforting. Who had a doubt? <laughs> One of the salaf, Amash. <laughs> so you know, we can be excused, Alhamdulillah. He goes, I found this extremely difficult to comprehend. So he turned to the senior Tabi'in, <laughs> Ibrahim and Nakha'i. And he, <laughs> he bamboozled him even more. He goes, ah, he will tell you something even more amazing. <laughs> I swear by God that I heard Ibn Masood say, nine tenths, ninety percent of knowledge left the world when Umar was martyred. So now, if you think about that, what does that actually mean? Ibn Masood, what did Umar call him? Because how did all that knowledge get into such a small body? The satchel of knowledge. He's still alive. Somebody goes, yeah, but we've lost a bit of knowledge. How much knowledge have we lost? 90%. 90%? Ibn Masood still alive. What does that tell you about Omar? Meaning we don't know him. We think we know him. 
Ibn Masood said, this is why I kept his company. <laughs> On another occasion, Abdullah Ibn Masood, what did he say? <laughs> Out of all of us, it was Umar who possessed the most knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who recited the Quran the most and who had the deepest understanding of the deen. This is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 69, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 813 of the New English Translation. He's explaining what was that 90% of knowledge we lost. So he's giving you clues now. Who had the greatest knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Think about that. That is not a subject you can cover. You die knowing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have enough lifetimes. You can be in paradise learning about him and you still won't know everything about him if, you, if you're there forever. That's how great his, his being is. On this earth, Ibn Masood said he had the greatest knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No greater knowledge. Then look at the praise. He recited the Quran the most. If you think about that, when did he get time for that? He wasn't Ashab as Sof. He didn't, you know, he was a beautiful <coughs> being. And who said he recited the Quran the most? The one who had the greatest knowledge of the Quran. Because he because we couldn't compete with this Quran. I'll give you a sunnah of his. Before he entered his dwelling, he'd recite Quran. It's the sunnah of the Mumr. How many scholars follow that sunnah? This is in terms of Umar. Then he said, he had the deepest understanding of the deen. Meaning, we've got a level, but he's got another level. We've got a certain level because he's dived even deeper than us. He goes, we've lost his knowledge. He's gone. Hudayfa, what did he say? The keeper of secrets. Hudayfa said, in comparison to the knowledge of Umar, the knowledge of all other people seems like it can be buried in a small hole. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 4, page 153. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 813 of the New English Translation. So what is the keeper of secrets saying? Because if you've got a small hole, leave Umar to one side. All of our knowledge can be put in that small hole compared to Umar's knowledge. So what, what image was he giving you? He was giving the image that, look, he's somewhere else. <laughs> we can't compete with this man because Allah has blessed him too much. <laughs> he had a profound understanding. <laughs> On another occasion, one of these contemporaries of the who said, when I was present before Umar ibn al-Khattab, I noticed that learned scholars appeared to be like little children before him. <laughs> Indeed, his understanding and knowledge towered over theirs. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 4, page 153. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 813 of the New English Translation. So imagine, think of big scholars. Imam Abu Hanifa. He's like a bacha in front of Umar. Who else? Imam Malik, another bacha. Who else? Imam Shafi, another bacha. Who else? Imam Ahmad, another bacha. Come on, brother. I'm not telling you that. Right? So I was telling you that. He goes, learned scholars, because it were like, they were like children. Now think about that. How low a level of scholarship must you be at for the teacher to treat you like a child? <coughs> he goes, we noticed that. He goes, he was just like, you know, you teach A, B, C. A, B, C. Why is he Because they haven't got knowledge. He has to break it down to them. 
They children. Then he said, his understanding and knowledge towered over theirs. Just like his friend, he would tower over people. Now look how touching it is. He'd tower over people. What about Ibn Masood? Complete opposite. Hide. Can't find him. Where's he gone? So Allah Ta'ala is teaching you something there. It's not about your height. It's not about your frame. Knowledge is given to those who are physically small, frail, and somebody is huge. But this was Umar. Now who are describing Umar like this? The companions. Meaning he is another level. Now what's shocking when you hear these reports? Then what's the other question that automatically goes to your mind? Then what about Abu Bakr? Imagine somebody goes, so he, they were like children, yeah? So what was Umar like with Abu Bakr? <laughs> because I don't want to say it, but I think he was like a child. What was Abu Bakr like with the Prophet? Like a child. <laughs> but the thing is, when we're relating, we don't appreciate the difference. Because we love them all. We said, oh, they Sahaba, they Sahaba, mashallah. But do you know there's a difference between them? And Ibn Masood said, because you don't know what I received when I was in the company of Umar. This was a great honor for me. I, because I got so much in his company. And if you look at the other reports, it looks like Umar loved his company as well. But this is again the nature of the companions. So all I mentioned today was clarifying upon the important question. How do you undo spying or fault finding? What is the repentance for that? Uh, and it's clearly mentioned in the hadith of Sayyidina Umar Then I mentioned the great value that Ibn Masood attached to be the company of Umar. And Alhamdulillah, when we're going through the lives of the companions, we're in their company. The mercy is descending, which we're not deserving of. So think about that. You should always reflect that what's happening in the unseen world. And then I mentioned, of course, the incredible knowledge of Umar and who testified to that? The great Ibn Masood. He said his knowledge was something else. Nine-tenths of all knowledge was lost upon his passing. Are there any questions? So, Allah, we have these one. Allah, whom we have the guys who lie, the heel and the stuff of the God who will make the good life. We should not give some hundred of the good life. Visit him, my son, the Lamar of the Mussari, Muhammad, the Lahir, 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 the Lah